Welcome to Ellie's Coffee Talks, the podcast featuring creative entrepreneurs in the Basel area over the best cups of coffee in the best cafes. Bonjour Ben, Benjamin. Uh, Hello. Je sais, ah oui, bien. Are we doing it in Second try. Good morning, Benjamin Delahaye. Good morning, uh, Ophélie Cabanero. And that's exactly why I don't say family. <laughs> How are you today? Yeah, I'm great. It's a day off. Well, kind of. Kind of a day off. Yeah. We're hustling with this podcast. Yes. It's good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, a little bit of an insight. She asked me the same question a minute ago. Yeah. And I said, eh, not so good. <laughs> Depends. Depends. <laughs> Um, shall we get into it straight yes, away? Yes, let's get yeah, into it. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay. It's so we're we're living through crazy times, and um, you're I really have, feeling it. I am really feeling it. I have I have a double life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have during the day I work for a travel company, and as you can imagine, there's and it's travel education. So people travel abroad to learn a language, and that's completely disappeared. For mm-hmm. the, you know, since January, mm-hmm. so we haven't had any customer, and it doesn't seem like we're going to have summer language trips. Mm-hmm. And most likely, even so, we're hoping to start again in September. But people will be nervous, right? So they mm-hmm. won't be mm-hmm. so keen to travel mm-hmm. so much, and there will be distancing distancing rules in schools. So that's that's. Uh, Uh, the past uh, few months have seen my, my professional life kind of shrink. <laughs> uh, lots of lots of people have been on temporary unemployment or actually have uh, been made redundant, and mm. it's, it's been kind of a sad, um, kind of a sad sight. Um, it's a great way to start the podcast. <laughs> and then my second life is I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> So, but that's kind of that's also been a bit sad because we haven't had any live shows since I mean we didn't have yeah. shows with an audience since uh, March, March yeah. and and I mean I remember we had a I had a show at uh, this this theater in Zurich called Comedy House where I do my monthly show and I, and I opened with like 10 minutes of jokes on on Corona and I, I came on stage with a Corona bottle. And I feel so yeah, stupid yeah. today. <laughs> you know, I was you like, were making fun of it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no, I wasn't making. F- actually, I wasn't making fun of of. Uh, uh, I wasn't making fun of the reaction, and because I've always thought it was serious. So more, I was, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to even vent my own stress with this, with these jokes, um, but I still. You know, so especially it was in February, so there was there was still a, a lot of unclarity. Mm-hmm. What is this? What is the? What should we do? How does it evolve? What does uh, you know? Uh, what can, how can we protect ourselves? Mm-hmm. And the only it's like wash your hand with soap, mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> it's really <laughs> and so so you know like stuff like that or you know the headlines or you know the conspiracy theories around it like because already people were doing conspiracy theories in in February about it so did you watch them 
Oh, I love conspiracy theories. I'm not, I don't believe in them, but I, I love watching them. It's like some people watch Netflix series <laughs> and I spend times just, just looking at, at conspiracy websites. So it's, so it's like, because they are their own stories, Yeah. you know? So, uh, so, so it doesn't course. freak you out. You don't believe in it at all. Not really. Or you see it as another kind of news channel, news uh, platform. Another perspective. No, I don't. I don't see it as well. It's definitely another perspective, but I don't see it as a valid perspective. I see it as a uh, as a regression of intelligence in our <laughs> society. <laughs> but here's the thing: so my grandparents used to be conspiracy theorists. No. Yes. So, but about everything. But here, but in their times, there was no internet, right? So, so, so there, it was a very limited circle and they will always come up with the, the craziest theory, <laughs> you know, like, um, okay, what's, uh, were they French? Your yeah, parents? they were French. There was this one day, this journalist who died on his bicycle or something, um, French journalist, I can't remember his name, something Allier or you're too young anyway. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is a podcast with an old guy. I'm 41. I'm 41 tomorrow. Oh. No, th Saturday. Anyway. <laughs> Birthday podcast. <laughs> Birthday podcast. Hey, uh, fans of Ophelia, you know, if you want to wish me a happy birthday. So. As if it's going to be released until then. <laughs> <laughs> What? You don't release the next day? Oh, gosh darn it. Okay. Uh, can so we swear on your podcast? Yeah, sure. Good. So uh, I don't have to be like goody two shoe, like gosh darn it. Oh shoot. <laughs> you can even speak French if you want. Oh, well, that's the yeah. ultimate swear. So what were you saying? Yes, the conspiracy theories. Like so this journalist died on his bicycle and immediately the same day they're like, no, but he was shot. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you come up with all this stuff? And they they always knew, they knew. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of things that we that they didn't tell us. <laughs> and and I guess like they would meet with other conspiracy theorists. I don't know on the weekend or something. But it was very like limited. So that's why you know like so for for me it's 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 also been part of my life. Yeah. I and grew up with this. Yeah, I grew up with this, or always. Uh, You know, always going against the main narrative in a like, which I think is sometimes is good. You know, like because there's there's definitely like main narrative in our society, and it's good to have some freedom from from mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. But you know, I don't know to which extent. So, so oh my god, there's okay. So I have crazy stories. <laughs> there are also so there are two things that they so they feared so they knew okay that there were. Things they didn't tell us, and anybody who died was always a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so, so that was the first thing. And they're also afraid of communists. So, <laughs> so, so it was, it was their main fear in life. When uh, so when Mitterrand was elected in '81, so it was like the first socialist president in a long oh. time in France. They bought property in Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> because they thought that the the uh, the chars no what do you say les, les chars uh, the military the military chars the the mili the panzers yeah you know 
Well, you have to be international at the time. <laughs> exactly. <It's okay. laughs> so, so the that the Russian panzers would would uh, roll into Paris <laughs> just because we had elected uh, a, a socialist president. Okay. Yeah. Not really thinking that they would have those panzers would have to go through many countries before <laughs> coming to France. That many other countries could have been like, "Hey, sorry, can you please not go through us?" And and they thought, you know, so they always had this crazy. So they were capitalists, or what were was their political? They were. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were mostly on the like right wing mm. when it comes to economy. Mm. Um, Mine too. I don't know that they were completely capitalist, uh, like we would say today. I can't believe we're talking about politics. That's this okay. Definitely never happened. This podcast is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be smarter. It's, it's from be, on. Of course, because there's two French people on it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, keep listening, please. It's going to get better. <laughs> This is about creativity, and I. Yes. Want oh yes, yes. This is going to be a podcast about creativity. <laughs> okay, so you you grew up with um, crazy ideas from your grandparents. I I grew up with crazy family because so every dinner on Sunday would be like a you know for example when we have the presidential elections there's like a. A debate in the studio <laughs> after that, and there's people from every party that are screaming at each other and disagreeing. Yeah. No, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> I like politics like as on well. TV? Yeah, on, t- okay. on TV. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything. You know, TV is like this thing for the <laughs> for the boomers. <laughs> I'm not a boomer, by the way. Okay. I'm, what are you I'm generation? at least generation X, I think. Between X and millennial. I'm in between. Ah. So I'm an in-betweener. Okay. So I don't fit in... See, this is going to be a great podcast. <laughs> I don't fit in a box. I don't fit in any of the generations. I feel I'm special. Yeah. And you are. <laughs> Thank you, Philippe. <laughs> I'm just a millennial, but we're all special. All millennials <laughs> Yes, special. you're all special, all of you. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so every... Fa- so... Uh, if you are interested in politics so every time there's an election the TV studios invite people from different parties yeah. to co- comment the result mm-hmm. and usually they, they insult each other oh, yeah. uh, and that's, that's what was my family lunches every Sunday so I had a socialist uncle I had a communist uncle I had so my grandparents. When I say they were right wing, actually they were actually a bit more right than very right. Than just, huh? yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of very right. But you know, like old friends, old friends. Okay. <clears throat> my dad calls me the Bobo Gushist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So it's like the hipster left. I don't know. Yeah, left left wing hipster. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, but, so yeah, but, but I guess like so. I, I guess maybe that's how I got. I always got this, and my parents were more right wing, uh, but more you know economical right wing, and that's kind of where I got this idea that any idea goes, you know. So I'm not. I'm not attached to. I'm not. I'm not really attached to a perception of the world or or the right economical solution or the right way to lead a country or whatever. Hmm. 
because I, I kind of I, I raised I was raised with all these viewpoints which in their own world they all had um, a justification for mm -hmm. what they were saying you know so if you have a bit of empathy or you put them in their shoes you're like okay I can see how you see the mm -hmm. world like that mm -hmm. that These was a great conspiracy that theories. was great. <laughs> 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 a great transition <laughs> but conspiracy theory, so see, since this is about creativity so we're gonna make this about creativity yeah, yeah. I At promise some point, yeah But I, okay. I, conspiracy theories is definitely uh, creativity in action. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like a common produce creativity, you know, because it's like a story that they are all building together. And you know, okay, if we look at today, so now the new target is Bill Gates, you know, so it's mm -hmm. Bill Gates who who made everything. He made the virus. So that Trump wouldn't get reelected, that that I love. The conspiracy theorists from America think that it's mostly something from the Democrats, <laughs> so that he wouldn't get reelected. In the, in the you really don't want to talk about politics. No, no, I I, I watch also conspiracy theories, and yeah. I like to have different perspective to not get. Well, first of all, too freaked out about this virus, you know, yeah. because mm. if you watch the normal news, as I call them. Um, there is only this, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. if when I call my grandparents who are still alive in the south, they don't go out of their house. Uh, they're they only have TV. They don't have a computer. You know, they only oh, yeah, play yeah. board games yeah. or card games and watch TV. Yeah. And all they see is be careful, be careful, be careful. They are losing it. My grandma is so scared. Of course, they're old, and you know who knows. And, I, and they have such a shitty life, you know. They don't go out. They and yeah, maybe it's yeah. the last years. Who knows, you know? So they should what watch conspiracy theories. Actually, <laughs> <Make> <laughs> don't <their> worry. Life, <laughs> life, life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I should replace. Go there, replace all the news. Uh, put cassettes in the TV thing. But no. But I like to have different perspectives for sure. Mm. And then spiritual practices you know to balance it out like it's meditation. so funny that so so like recipe for peace spiritual practices and conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> because at the beginning of the the period this period i was watching so many uh, news and conspiracy theories i had to do two hours of meditation a day to balance it out wow this will be a joke on stage at some point but Please. it was true yeah Yeah, I mean, it's not for this purpose. It was this just how it happened. Yeah, yeah. And um, meditation wow. definitely helps. Okay. Yes, I think I would have lost it otherwise. But also, my life was pretty normal. It was pretty didn't change much. So. So it's funny that that because uh, I don't have the reflex to do meditation. So I like meditation. I can't do it two hours. But I noticed that when I do it, even just 10-15 minutes a day, it changes. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. But then, in in times of stress, I forget. Yeah. And it's actually listening to you. I just realized oh, I should have I should have <laughs> done this <laughs> yes. the past three months because yeah. I've been slipping away slowly into the realms of like insanity. Yeah. <laughs> so. But then you used humor to not slip into madness, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is also I, I just released a blog post uh, on Monday about how you can what is humor exactly oh 
exactly. It's just a definition my yeah, partner yeah, yeah. came up with. Yeah. But it's so much more than just a, a joke. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for so, you know, humor for me has been, I would say, I don't know, kind of life-saving since, uh, you know, from a very young age. Oh, yeah. Because today I joke, you know, okay, I say how... We had all these different perspectives in our family and haha. Yeah, was like, yeah. But my family was crazy. Hmm. Okay. So <laughs> I've, I've grown up in this environment that was very stressful for any kid. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I found these professional comedians hmm. that, you know, these are people who get... They're a professional of making people laugh. Mm -hmm. And and they actually, they made me laugh a lot, you know. So they, I found a lot of, like, comfort. When you were a kid already. Yeah, as a kid. Like, not in making other people laugh. I found a lot of comfort uh, listening to comedians and finding, like, a, a, you know, a break mm -hmm. in, in my life from, mm -hmm. from this... Uh, uh, from this craziness so at first it was kind of like just a distraction or you know like okay there's a reality that's not so fun and mm -hmm. then I can just escape from it a little bit with the uh, you know with his laughter but then as I got more and more into it and and you know and listen to really good comedians like uh, I don't know do you know Pierre Desproges no, no. Uh, but he's even he's even not my generation. But you know, so I like I like to go back to what was, you know, done before, or you know, to the yeah. classics. Like yeah. even so once I I got into it, I got into the plays of Molière, and I know, that. and it's uh, yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least it's cool. <laughs> and and it's uh, and then I realized like kind of what you said in your in your in your blog post I mean not what you said in your post but more like it's it's got a, a much deeper function in society than just offering a temporary distraction yeah. like it's it's something that is really deep and then there are some problems yeah that they are so the pain of it is not solvable therefore the only like one of the only options you have is to laugh about it mm. that's the because uh, or feels you know, or feel sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. And my my partner always says, um, you know, the the Joker in the Middle Age, or yes, or yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the only one who could speak about certain topics. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you would get killed. Yeah. So it's a, it's still a little bit like this, I think, for comedians. I've had so I don't know I don't have a precise example so <laughs> but um my wife is ukrainian mm -hmm. and so i also um i spend some time with the russian-speaking community mm -hmm. <laughs> and they say that in in russia the comedians are the only ones who can openly criticize yeah. putin and that and he allows comedians you know in uh, his yeah. vicinity at dinners to make fun of him and it's and it's the function of the joker yeah because it's it's exactly the same it's like you can yeah. um the comedian has this status where they can they can say they they can say things to people who are in power that nobody else dares to yeah. because it would have it would have horrible consequences for yeah. them exactly 
But in a way, I mean, it's a privilege, but also the price to pay is also, you know, like, for example, uh, in the case of Moliere, like even, okay, he had some support from the king in a way. That's that's why he was able to do everything that he, to say all the things that he said. Mm-hmm. But then when, you know, when he died, they just, they just, you know, threw his body, mm-hmm. like, it was only a long time after that he was recognized mm. as this genius and, mm. um, but he, he definitely paid the price in his you know in the in in societal treatment like you get a privilege to say what you want but at the same time you don't get like the rewards mm-hmm. in a way in history I think mm-hmm. today is a bit different mm-hmm. now like I think t- today if you see uh, comedians like I think Jerry Seinfeld was the first comedian that inspired a lot of people to go into comedy. I was like, oh, I can, I can be a comedian and be really successful. <laughs> because he was uh, just not, not acting or why? Because a lot of comedians quote him and I, and I don't watch him actually. But because he was just, he was one of the first ones who was just talking and standing. No, he's been, he's been, um, no, there was a lot of comedy already, uh, stand-up comedy before him uh, in America. So he wasn't the first one. Um, but he had a very successful show in the 90s. On TV. And, yeah, yeah, and Seinfeld, the show Seinfeld is kind of the embodiment of the 90s, in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and especially, okay, 90s in New York, mm-hmm. you know, like, kind of like the single life going out, etc. And... And that show was so good, and it was it was really like a, I mean, for the U.S. it was like a culturally defining show, mm-hmm. but even had ripple effects in you know outside of the U.S. I mean, I, w- I was watching it when I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and this is kind of how I got into mm-hmm. uh, almost this is how I got into English. So I learned English first watching sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> That's 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 how I got really into it, you know. Not from the lessons that we would get in our yeah, French schools, as you know. Course, yeah. <laughs> so. But so, why is he famous as a stand-up comedian? Because he was already so before that he was already a successful comedian. He was working a lot as a comedian. He was filling theaters. Um, I guess I don't know. I guess he was very clean. So. All the club comedians tend to tend to swear, talk about mm. uh, their genitals or <laughs> stuff like that, and you would always be super clean. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what made him uh, popular at the time, but then I guess he was he was really smart, um, and yeah, they just gave him a show, uh, mm-hmm. which didn't work for three years. Never gave up. And, and no, and it was. I guess it was the time where they were like, okay, they still gave it, gave him a chance. Yeah, or yeah. I think it was a case where the show didn't work, but they did. NBC didn't want to lose him to another network, so they just like, okay, he will keep paying. <laughs> and um, the good times. The good times, and uh, and then eventually it exploded. Mm. So, so you were watching him when you were a teenager. So, yeah. So. Uh, Seinfeld I was watching but okay I went I, I dragged my mom to see a theater comedy show when I was 10 
So we went, you know, went together. It was uh, Les Inconnus. You, you know them or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they had a show in Paris. And I brought a tape recorder, which I hid in my, in my uh, you know, like in my coat. And I, I, you know, it was mini cassettes like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I put it in, um, you know, so it was winter, so I had a coat. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so I put it in the coat and I recorded the whole show. And then I think, I don't know for how long, at least one year, maybe two, I would play the tape under my pillow every night before going to sleep. Wow. So I listened to, I listened to that show. Yeah, I don't know. You Seven, know it by heart. 600 times. Yeah. Okay, now I would... Actually, if you ask me now, I don't... Yeah. I wouldn't know how to... <laughs> <laughs> but if I would start hearing the skit, like I would know yeah. exactly... You know which word comes next. What you know? What uh, the rhythm of every joke, uh, the the phrasing, the everything, the melody of the of the comedy. I'm I'm looking on YouTube if I can find that. But and the show was amazing. called Au Secours Tout Va Mieux. Okay. Help, everything's getting better. That's good. And you understood everything they were saying as a kid. No, I know. I don't no. think so. No. But they still had they still had um, skits like you know that where they would they would uh, teach uh, French Revolution to to the kids and that I could relate because I also was studying the French Revolution yeah, <laughs> at yeah, school yeah, yeah. or they had they were parodying uh, Chantal Goya and they had you know Chantal Goya was this uh, s singer for for kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she had a, yeah, she had a she style. had a French <laughs> and, and dresses. She, yeah. And so she and she used to always come on stage with these stuffed animals, you know. Yeah, so I have yeah, songs yeah. with animals. Casimir. And so they would no? Casimir. I don't know if it was Casimir, but it was always this like this lion or this wolf or uh so she had a song about animals. And so they were parodying her And it, it, one was like a, a fly that, you know, those flies that, that eat shit. <laughs> so, and so, so that I could understand, you know, <laughs> that was easy. Do you remember Les Grévistes? Yes, yes, yes. It was, so this is how the show would start. So yeah, the, the okay. show, so they would come from, uh, they would come from the back of the, th of the theater uh, with, you know, with signs saying, we're on yeah. strike. Uh, we refused to do the show, uh, and so before you know, before the lights went down, so like everybody was was sit, sat down. We didn't know the show, and then we just hear this commotion <laughs> in the back, and the three of them just just come and say, you know, we're canceling the show. We're we're going on strike. So that was. Uh, so you believed it? You thought, oh, maybe it's uh, it's true, or no? Because no. you see okay. straight away that it's that it's them. Yes. Oh my god, that song. So this is how the show started. Childhood. So I, <laughs> so I have, I'm getting goosebumps, look. He is. So I'm getting goosebumps. So can you imagine? I've listened to that show so many times. On the tape. Every On the tape. Day. So this is kind of how I got... It's a background song. It's great. Yeah. Okay. That's let's fine. see. Let's see if, we, if you can remember. 
Okay, I'm trying to say when is the next punchline. Hey. Avec la sec, la CGT. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. La CGT. <laughs> yeah, they look so young here. Yeah. Ah, les camarades étaient en grève. Okay. Tant que nous ne So as you can imagine, as a 10-year-old, the, the CGT skit is maybe not the one that resonated the most. <laughs> Especially with my capitalist parents. Yeah. <laughs> And grandparents. Yeah. But it's definitely, I mean, I, I kind of, I became funnier after that. Like, so, so from, you like, know, this so from there, from this experience, listening, you, you know, like with my friends... Mm. I would start to know like wh wh when what would be the right the funny thing to say in that moment or and I guess like most comedians they li they listen to a lot of comedy uh, you know in, in their childhood or later most comedians are comedy fans I heard that a lot of comedians wanted to be funny for their mom or dad you know But to, because sometimes they were depressed I have two examples of comedians like this and and then they were trying really hard to be funny you know to uplift the family so I was so um, part of my Sunday lunches <laughs> I was putting on shows you know so I wanted to I wanted to do a show on the Sunday for lunch for the family so you Like you yeah, were acting so me the... and I would enroll my brothers and sisters in it. So we, we had this big production, uh. <laughs> and I was trying to, and I was the only one taking it seriously. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I would just spend you know my time yelling at my sister for not following the What instructions yeah. and stuff. And my parents didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they were never listening, you know. So then I, I just remember it was not fun at all because like. It will go completely not according to plan. Uh, and then, because also, you know... Your th plan. There's a bit of a, trying to control your reality a bit when you go on stage and, you know, so it's yeah. all of a sudden, everybody shuts up and listens to you. Yeah. <laughs> and you've already planned everything that you're going to say. And every, so... And I'd like to come back to that yeah. later. Yeah. And so... so, so 
that plus you know and then and then looking at at my parents and say listen i'm doing the show <laughs> were they watching the news also at the same time or the debate no they were not watching i don't know i don't know what they were doing uh they, it's vague memories i think they just didn't really they were not that interested do you remember what you were playing with your sister uh we were playing um so we're dressing up um i have one memory where i was i was i i took some of my stepmother's clothes and i would put two tennis balls to make boobs uh and i so i would i would just play this woman um that's all i remember i feel this podcast has the potential to be like a psychological deep dive totally <laughs> into everything and you can use it for your autobiography at some point <laughs> yes I remember when awesome. Ophélie Cabanero interviewed me it's when I realized a lot of things about myself <laughs> this is when my life changed and oh. I became a full time comedian <laughs> two, two days before my, my birthday yeah. I had this revelation I'm 40 for two more days and I'm 41 you're freaking out No, I had my. I freaked out last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I fr- I fr- <laughs> Enough? No, it's. I mean, there's not much you can do. Um, do you want to share what you freaked out about? Because you. I've, I freak out on my birthday because I'm thinking I should get my shit together. Oh, But yeah. What yeah. do you freak out about? Yeah, getting my shit together. I mean, I, I'm a champion in comparing myself to other people. Mm hmm. So I take what is best about everybody <laughs> yes. and put it into like one ideal yeah. image of yeah. who I should be. And what is that? Uh, oh, but it's everything. It's very ego-based. Like I should be... Rich or... Yes, of course. Yeah. I should be a very rich <laughs> entrepreneur, but also should also be a comedian. So entrepreneur in what? I don't know. I just ah. know I should... <laughs> Not in comedy. <laughs> I don't know. I actually... I don't, uh, also, you live in Zurich. It's not helping, yeah. No. And then wanting these things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I fell into the Zurich trap. Yeah. I've been here 10 years, mm-hmm. and I spent so much money my first five, six years because you know so you just you go out and yeah. you you pay for or restaurants or you 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 know you think you have to live the high life. Yeah. And yeah. then I had a I took a humility lesson. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. So entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, like a media entrepreneur. Um, I should, you know, by now I should have a YouTube channel with fifty thousand followers. Yeah. Uh, so and and same on my Instagram. And, yeah. And I should have a touring show. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that what you want? Tour in in Switzerland or the world or. Friends. Yeah, I'd love to be a touring because uh, I travel a lot for my my current job, my day job, and so like I'm used to, I'm used I'm used to be on the road, and my family is used to me being on the road, mm. which is good. Mm. <laughs> so if I ever become a comedian, it won't be like a <laughs> yeah, change. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't mind the travel. I like uh, and I like the stage. You know, I've tried, I've tried many things. I've tried writing novels. Okay. Uh, plays, you know, produce videos, 
And there's something about the stage that is that has an immediacy to it. Mm-hmm. Is that you know you try something, and especially now with this this community of of comedy that is in in Switzerland, you know the English speaking mm-hmm. co- uh, comedy community. I mean, you can try something the next day, like mm-hmm. there's there's a. And I I still I don't do as many shows as people like Vanessa and Bill Gay. But I still do, you know, four shows a week, mm-hmm. and it's it's. Uh, you work no four, four shows. A, no, sorry, not every week. Sorry. So there are there are some weeks I do four shows, but I I looked at uh, yeah, yeah no it's not four shows a week, <laughs> but I on average last year I did ten shows a month, which which uh, you know. It's a lot when you have a full-time job, no? I think, yeah, exactly. So, so it's a little bit. Uh, it's, but I love it, you know. It gives you energy to yeah, the stage. Yeah, it gives me energy, and and I like this writing. Process. I like this process better than so just before comedy actually. So I was trying to write novels. Mm-hmm. So first I tried I try a novel, and I could never be satisfied with what it's about you know so i i mean i i i wrote so many thousands of words and everything just went to the trash but uh, did you read the art the war of art yes Mm -hmm. and he it's what he talks about no yeah but even that didn't help me okay (laughs) (laughs) so I tr- you know I I tried reading those you know books like this or Bird by Bird or that's also another good book. And then um, maybe it was the tool. Maybe I need another writing software. <laughs> Definitely, <the tool. laughs> Definitely. You know, so like that was like a year and a half, and then and then I wrote like a a children's story. And and it was the first time when I finished the first draft. I was like, "Hey, you know what? Actually, I like that." Mm-hmm. So then I worked on it to make it. So it's I made it much shorter and kind of different. It was another nine months, mm-hmm. and then I put it out on on uh, Amazon print on demand. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm really part of this story, but it's it was like, fuck. It was it was just so long. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually I don't enjoy the solitude. Of of writing okay. uh, novels or even short stories or you know even for kids because there's there's you're on your own for so such a long time until you can get some audience feedback yeah. and even they don't really tell you because you know they're reading it and if they're your friends they're gonna say something nice and you know so it's it's kind of hard to get but you need the feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the feedback. I'm an extrovert. I live through mm. other people. <laughs> I don't. Uh, and so that's why comedy is is, is really perfect for me because um, direct feedback. I, I even it's direct feedback, and sometimes it's even in open mics you test a half-assed idea, like it's not even developed, just to see whether. You should go and like. And by the way, I don't recommend doing this. I think you should really go and explore an idea yeah. to the First. limits before you present it. But you know, and and also sometimes 
it's 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 just the, the rhythm that we have like there's always a show you know so it's like you do this and then the next day you have another show and and uh all of this shows have pr have produced in a a discipline of we we always need to produce stuff mm -hmm. and so yeah, yeah. the routine exactly and so you know so so you need to have something by 8 p.m. tonight mm. so it's not going to be amazing uh, and then it's yeah. so you do so so you try it out and it's usually half baked uh, mm -hmm. and then and then most of the time the audience will kill it on the spot <laughs> or the audience or you you know mm -hmm. because you say it in front of other people and then you're like ah yeah I don't I don't know why I say this like I yeah. don't it doesn't feel yeah. right saying it sometimes the audience doesn't laugh but you still feel like yeah but you know what I it's enjoy funny. that or yeah. I think it's an important idea or whatever. Yeah. And you give it a bit more chance, or the audience laughs, and then all of a sudden, you 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 get a lot more fun with this idea. So some people are able to have fun on their own. <laughs> I need kind of like the validation of other people, mm -hmm. and that's why the online comedy has been so hard. Mm -hmm. Is that it's the first time that I have to go one hundred percent on only my my instincts. Yeah. And actually, the shows where we've had more fun is when we had, you know, we started to have like technical help in the studio. Mm -hmm. So this guy came, and then one show he brought his daughter, and she was helping out. But just to have them too laugh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was just it just made it so much better. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, because performing for the camera is this lens, and you know, and especially if you have insecurities or like you just dump all of your insecurities on that lens who's like hasn't you know done anything yeah uh, <laughs> but you, you you start imagining you know what people might think or yeah. and i and I actually believe that i don't know i think maybe this is like the one of one of the goals in comedies is you get yourself to a point where you don't you you don't make stories about what other people are thinking what you're on stage i do that a lot of course. And I need to, and if they're laughing, then actually it's only when they laugh that I'm able to shut that part of my brain. Interesting. Completely. Yeah. And then, you know, and, I, and I'm my most creative because like then I'm super relaxed and I don't imagine it's like, yeah, well, obviously they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's also the laughter. It's, it's not open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, well, unless you can get really paranoid and then you're like, ah, well, actually they were mocking me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's another level. But do you, is there? How was it for you the first stage you did, for example? So the first four ones went really well. So I was 22, and I did this open mic in Boston, and uh, so I signed up, and I had four friends in the audience, and there was one that that was laughing super loud. So the first three minutes, nobody was laughing except for this guy. <laughs> so it kind of this his laughter like carried me through the whole set yeah. and then after three minutes applause break mm. and I'm like what the hell you know so so you know so I came out of it it was I was feeling super positive mm -hmm. and then I did another three shows I did one for like the international so I was a I was a student in Boston I did one for the International Student Association of my school and it was like a hundred people killed. And I did two more that went really well. And I thought, that's it. I'm the next genius <laughs> of comedy. Yeah. 
And he only took that one thought to ruin it all. <laughs> what was it? No, that, like, you know, just thinking... Ah, to, to think To think, uh, yeah, I've got um, something special. Yeah. And then it, it was a humility. Uh, and then I started to bomb. Ah, okay. You know? Yeah, it's amazing how it works. And then I did it, and then, you know, so then, so I, I did, I, I came back to France, I did some comedy there for, like, three years, and then completely stopped for 12 years. Why? Because of bombing, or...? No, actually, you know... When I look back, I wish I had a, a bit of a different... The things I know now. <laughs> of course, but... When it comes to... You know, all I have... What, what I, I would have needed is a little bit more... Uh, I mean, I had a good work ethics, okay? Mm -hmm. So I was... I was showing up almost every day at my... You know, at my, at my writing and I was, I was doing things... Mm -hmm. But I remember leaving jokes in my... So very, after a year and a half, I had my own hour that I would do twice a week in this very small theater mm -hmm. in Paris. It was like 30 people. Awesome. And everybody was making fun of me at the time. Today, it's become like one of the cool places in mm -hmm. Paris it's called La Loge Theatre. And, you know, and you have people like Maina Rollman, she was there for... Long, like Alexandre Cominec is also from the Swiss French... Uh, he he was in that place for for quite some time, and uh, and like so now everybody goes through this theater. But at the time it was <laughs> people were like, "What are you doing in this place?" But I I loved it, you know, because I I always had and even if I had only eight people in the audience, it was so small that it mm -hmm. felt like I had a crowd. Mm -hmm. But I would leave a joke that didn't work well in the show like you know so a joke that doesn't work well is like you know 50% success rate in a joke like that's not good you know like you need a joke that that works nine time out of ten mm -hmm. you know that's kind mm -hmm. of how because in a way I think professional comedy you need to have like a routine that is so bulletproof that you do it everywhere and people laugh you know and maybe they don't they don't laugh at every joke yeah. the same but yeah. you know you have something like you need to deal it in comedy it's so funny because there's one part that is art which mm -hmm. is like you know your view on the world and, yeah. and uh, like what we said earlier like making uh, you know finding relief for painful stuff but at the same time there's there's a part that is job yes. which is you need to have like a certain laugh rate mm -hmm. and the, like it, people want their money's worth for when they pay for comedy yeah. And even today, like where audiences don't pay, uh, when you know there's a lot of shows where people don't pay, like they pay after, yeah. like mm -hmm. open, mind. they still want to, they still want to yeah. have, because time is precious as yeah. well. So even if it's for free, they still, I, they don't want to waste one hour of their precious yeah. time. Yeah. And so, so there's there's a part of it that is that is very, uh, you know, you need to get a job done. Mm -hmm. And that's what, so Seinfeld was saying that you, you don't call a plumber thinking that there's a 50% chance that he's going to do his job right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You call a plumber cause he's going to do his job right. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with comedians. Like comedians are, they're called to make people laugh. And if they don't, then they don't get hired again. Mm -hmm. so, so I don't know where we talked about that. So what what did you? Wish? Oh yeah. So so what I wish that you know, 
So I would leave jokes for six months in the show when they didn't have a good enough uh, percentage. Uh, percentage or, you know, or like success rate. Yeah. And that's crazy. Today, when I think yeah. about it, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, I just... And the reason why I did this is that I've struggled my, my entire life with issues of like self-perception, self-esteem and everything. And so at the time I was thinking, you know, well, it's, it's, it's me. It's the way I deliver it. I don't know how to act. You know, so I was just like so focused on I don't know how to act. Yourself. So maybe if I say it this way, like, so, you know, so a joke that didn't work, I would try to say it in, in 25 different ways. Okay. And, <laughs> and actually today I realized that, I mean, yes, there is, there is a part of delivery. Yeah. But there's also a part of the joke, like, you know, there's, there's the idea. So, of course, delivery is, is still, I, I would say, 50% of mm -hmm. the... But it's, it's not just that, you know. So I would always think it's... And then, so looking back, I, was, I would have said, you know, it's, it's just not that funny. Mm -hmm. You know, so replace it with another one. And this time around, I've been a lot more ruthless with killing jokes. Like just not get attached, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 produce a lot. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think the reason it was different this time is is so. So we did our first open mic in Zurich. Uh, it's wow! It's almost four years ago now. Uh, so four years ago, and I almost didn't do it. So I was still trying to be. So you know. So after the novel that I failed, plus the child story, I thought I'm going to be a thriller writer. That's mm. actually I like thrillers. <laughs> so then I went to yeah. Bristol because I went for work, and there was also this uh, convention called Crime Fest okay. to meet other crime writers. And and this guy Jack Roberts has been pushing like a bunch of guys to to try to, uh, to, to make this this comedy open mic happen. Mm. And uh, and so it was supposed to happen the Sunday when I was flying back from Bristol. And I was just like, you know, I didn't feel like it. Like, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do it. But the thing that I did this time is that I had to prepare five minutes. Mm -hmm. And actually, I wrote 15 minutes. Mm, I did that, yeah. And I killed, you know, two-thirds of it. And it was the first time that I did this. Like, when I was 20, <laughs> something, if I had to prepare five minutes, I would prepare five minutes. And then it was really a good lesson for me because I learned, wow, like, it's, it's actually, it's part of work to produce a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And I would be so focused on, look at the shit that I produced and I'm not a, I'm not a, then I don't have it, you know? And this is kind of how, this is what I was telling you over, you know, messaging that's kind of got us to do this podcast mm -hmm. is that I had a very fixed mindset when it came to comedy mm -hmm. and actually I had it in general but what was it you're gonna share so yeah the, so you know a fixed mindset is when you think that people are what they are and you either have amazing talent in something or you don't mm -hmm. you know and like and you and you think that you have a capacity for something and that's pretty much what you're going to do, your, uh, whole do yeah. your whole life. Yeah. That Our you parents' can... mindset, kind of. Yeah, I mean... How we got raised. Maybe. Yeah. As French especially, I feel like. 
Well, fr French, it's, it's even worse. It's a, I think the French system teaches us that we're shit. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, in France, just even the grade system, you're happy if you have 12 out of 20. You know, it's like, or at least I was, you know. Like, I had that, yeah. It's like, I have 12 out of 20. I was like, good. And, and excellence was 15 out of 20, you know, or 16 out of 20. Yeah. At least, I don't know, in, in the, the places where I went. What did you do? What kind of uh, back? I did a scientific uh, back. No, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. No? Yeah. It well, tough. it was more, I mean, no, I was good with scientific. So in those, I actually got really good grades. <laughs> but but uh, I just remember, I, I mean, for me, this whole system set me up for mediocrity for always you know beating yourself up for not being good enough mm. um what, so, what did you do afterwards still scientific so no so i went to prepa i, I, I went to the prepa for uh, business school there's a prepa for a business school yeah i didn't know you know for hsc ESSEC, uh, etc ah, okay And I got I got into a sec, but then I decided to do a film school in Boston. <laughs> so it was a bit of a drama uh, with the family mm -hmm. and everything. But I I also needed to get out. Like I just yeah. needed to go far away from everything. Um, so, but anyway, so the first time around, I, I had this fixed mindset, and I thought, you know, so every time I was in front of my, you know, of my writing, if what I write is shit. Then I'm like, well, this is it. I'm shit, you know. So like, why? And it's it's so much mental energy. I still have it, but at least I can talk myself into continuing, or just being like, okay, like, or as a different part of me, and be like, yeah, okay, we'll deal with. Well, you'll get to talk a little bit later. Um, it still talks a lot, mm -hmm. <laughs> but at least it doesn't stop me. But it used to stop me. Yeah. So very fixed, you know. You you have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so, and then, yeah, this time around, I realized, okay, you just have to, the job is to produce a lot mm -hmm. and then pick, you know, pick, pick the best and then, you know, show it in front of an audience and then weed out again, more stuff. Uh, but, but, the, but production, producing a lot is part of the it's it's part of it and and so i just wish that i you know that i didn't beat myself up so much for you know all the failed writing sessions mm -hmm. uh and what you know a failed because a fa it failed from your perspective yeah exactly but for me a failed writing session is is you know no inspiration mm. oh i love this topic yeah <laughs> yeah and so so i'm not able to explain you inspiration I don't know where it comes from. I just know that it happens sometimes. And when and how? Do you know what kind of environment, mindset you're in when it happens? No, so I don't have a magic recipe. The only thing that I know is that by getting in front of you know my writing every day, mm. it shows up sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So... So, so inspiration is there, and then, um, but 
yeah i mean what helps is of course to be in silence like i need to be on my own isolated from people um i can't be in the same room with anybody even if they're quiet or something mm. i need to be in my own room mm. like i need to feel that i'm doing my thing mm. so whenever i'm with somebody else i, ca I can't write um because I feel like they're watching or something. Mm -hmm. like it, <laughs> even though the crazy part is, yeah, at some point it's gonna be watched by somebody. But mm. in this moment, I yeah. need I need to be on my own. Yeah. Um, and and showing up. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the morning works better. Mm -hmm. But that's it, really. But then then I then you know so I used to I used to make inspiration my goal. And this is kind of, you know, what I wanted to share about creativity, or at least my, my process, is that if I make inspiration my goal, I make myself miserable. Mm -hmm. My only goals right now is to, is to just show up and I put, you know, a certain number of words that I have to write. Yeah. Or I say write for 30 minutes. But then the trick is, because if you say 30 minutes... And then you just look up yeah. for 25 <laughs> and minutes. Your phone and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's Doesn't so work. it's better to say like a certain number of words yeah. because then you 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 have to do that. Yeah. And most of the time it's terrible. Like and it's it's uh, it's not very different from this podcast. Like no, sorry, no, sorry, <laughs> no. What I mean is that a lot of the time it's me doing my own therapy. Yeah. So. And that's not very different. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I meant. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I meant of it. So, you know, so I found I'm a lot more creative when I don't have the pressure, uh, you know, so when I don't have a pressure of success from that I'm expecting from other people, you know, so actually the only creative goals that I... The, in reality, the only creative goal that I have is to write 450 words a day. That's my only goal. Mm -hmm. And which is what? Uh, for comedy or for anything? So I focus on, on comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it could be for anything. If I, if I would decide now today to write a, a story or something else, I would, I would say, you know, then, you know, write for 450 words yeah. a day on this. Story. If I didn't have a full-time job, it would be much more. But I found, yeah. and 450, I believe, is not enough. However, or it's not enough. Actually, it's been enough for me to <laughs> to produce a lot of stuff. But is it five minutes set or what is it? I, I yeah, know. like for, for me, I'm I'm around a hundred words per minute. Okay. But it changes if I do it in English or in French mm. or in French. Yeah. It's a bit more. It's like hundred twenty. There are more words. Yeah. In uh, and so. So that works for me. So really not setting... As soon as I start thinking... And this is also one of the things that I... I would put so much pressure on my creativity. You know, mm -hmm. I was 20. And I mm -hmm. felt, you know, I need to prove myself to the world. And I need to have... You know, I want to have this, this big show and tour. And have all of this success. And, like, and my creativity doesn't do well under the, the pressure of, of success. Like, yeah. it's so funny. When I met Vanessa... Three years ago or two years ago, she was like, "What are your goals?" I'm like, "Leave me alone! I don't want any goals." Like because this, what has kept me going, and actually, 
I've achieved a lot more this time around than back in the without days. Without goals? Without any goal. That's great. Because yeah. I've, let it, I've let it grow organically. Yeah. I think at some point, I mean, but yes, at some point when you have so many minutes of material, you know, you can say, okay, then my next goal is to do like uh, my 50-minute show. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and you, you know, already had one. I did one. So. I did one. In Paris. Oh yeah, no, but I so I, I wanted to do another one. So I did okay. one for my 40th birthday. Okay. Uh, and it was I was I was again too stressed. Like I I put so it was it was okay, but I I can, I was kind of disappointed when I left the stage. But it's okay. So now I have a growth mindset. So it's it's okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about this. So, so the growth mindset is believing that you can. I'm very. I, I have very unstructured thoughts, as you can tell. So I hope your whoever is listening, your <laughs> listeners, uh, are still following, because <laughs> I take a lot of tangents. So, so growth mindset is is to believe that, you know, you you have, okay, you have certain ability at this point, mm-hmm. but you can get better abilities and you can become better at what you do, etc., uh, etc. And so it's not because you had a failed writing session or you had a failed show that it means that it's over. that it's over that you cannot become better at it. Mm-hmm. And there's really, you know, a lot of a lot of so people who are in the growth mindset, they actually have a a better understanding of their own abilities. And and they're better to you know able to grow and in the end they achieve they they also achieve quite a lot you know mm-hmm. people who from the beginning we we thought okay these people don't really have a, an ability for this. Um, Do you think it's related to no fucks given like no what no like fucks like if I fail doesn't matter if uh, yeah so I would love to Think. not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> It's still, it's still, it's still painful. Okay, so even when I have a failed writing session, which is most day, most days I don't, I don't get inspiration. I don't, I don't have one joke. Uh, it still hurts, but I just know that it's. I just don't let it become, you know, this. Well, you know, you're not Seinfeld. Overtake. So you know, you're not Seinfeld. So why don't you give up? And in a way, I kind of, you know, I kind of gave up at 20. So a, a, a couple of things happened. I met, I met a, I met a woman, so, <laughs> and I moved to the UK from Paris. So I was in the UK, and then, uh, you know, I didn't have any new material. Mm-hmm. But in a way, I was also freaked out because I saw this comedian who was, you know, kind of, who I thought he was really funny. And he had been in comedy maybe like 10 years, and he was with Jean Dujardin for mm-hmm. quite some time. But Jean Dujardin had made it big, and he was mm-hmm. still playing in the same theaters as mm-hmm. me. And I thought, and I thought he was super funny. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like this is such a this is such a tough, tough world, you mm-hmm. know. But I don't know. Today, also, I would say, you know, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's you know, just keep doing funny mm-hmm. stuff. Like also today, I, I pursue funny for funny for funny's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm really. Because you like it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to have, you know, yeah, maybe the, 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 okay, the second goal I have is that I would 
I want to have five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes that work really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's kind of like, it's a pursuit of, of that, but it's not, not a pursuit of financial goals or, mm-hmm. or, you know, or I should have my, my Netflix show mm-hmm. or, or, you know, I want to, I want to have a, I don't know. Or make so much money from my shows, or whatever. Maybe I should. Maybe it's my mistake. I don't know. But you just said that when you didn't have goals, it worked better than. For me, at least, yeah. At least when I create for creativity, Mm -hmm. I need to really. It only works when I free myself from. You know, from the the imagining the future or the success Mm -hmm. or. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So. Yeah, insp- inspiration is kind of a, you know... A, a bitch. <laughs> yeah, like the French way, you know, it's a bitch. Uh. <laughs> no, but uh, Stephen Frist... So, my my point of view about that, yeah. and I mean, I read the book, uh, but I, I, I really like his idea that it, it kind of comes to you, for you, and then through you, you yeah, know, and yeah. it's not you who creates it. I really like that idea, and I shared it yeah. in one of my blog posts. Yeah, that it's this divine thing, mm. you know, and and that kind of thinking can make you so much more relaxed about whatever's coming through you, because then it's not you, and then when it's not coming, it's it's okay, you know. Yeah, Exa- exactly. So. I mean, it's still disappointing. <laughs> it's still painful. <laughs> it's still disappointing, but but you're right. Like it, it seems to come out of this place with. I believe it comes from a part of you that is not accessible through your. Mm. But it, but so you might as well think it's like a deity or something divine yeah. because anyway, it's yeah. it's so out of your control. Even if it comes from your own subconscious, you can't access it consciously. You know, so 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 in a way, yes, it does. It does come through you, or but it it does have this element of of divine, or because it's very mysterious. Um, yeah. But even you know, and then so that's inspiration when writing. Mm-hmm. But there's also inspiration when performing, mm. and that is also. I cannot say when it, you know, happens or not. Or and so, that's one of the reasons why I was a bit disappointed by my 40th show is that mm. I wasn't very inspired on stage because you were stressed. Yeah, and so it's like 50, so imagine 50 minutes not being very inspired. But that's... what is inspired is uh, um, the ability to freestyle, or what is it? No, more because actually. As a performer, you still have to make decisions on when you make your pauses, what intonations, yeah. what your movements and everything. And sometimes I'm on stage and I, I just see clearly what I need to do next mm. and how I should say it. Mm. And maybe now I need to talk like that. Or now, I mean, you know, you know, yeah, you see yeah. what I mean? Like do your changes. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's. It's so funny. It's like it's through me. Yeah. It's like somebody's or I don't know something is telling me what I need to do next. Yeah. But there are sometimes I have no clue. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I'm just there and I and I kind of feel. 
so you want to feel uh, in the zone you know you want to yeah. be we, we call it so I have a yoga teacher background so yeah maybe I didn't share that uh, channeling Channeling, channeling my muse. But then it's exactly this thing that you just described. Of uh, sometimes I had a teaching yoga, you know, like you're n- you some words come out of you, but you have no idea why you just said that. You had didn't plan to say yeah, it, yeah. and you won't remember it after either. Exactly. Yeah. And I find that the best way to channel. <laughs> It's to show up, actually. So, you know, so showing up in front of my page and showing up on stage. Mm -hmm. So I also push myself. See, the one thing that I push myself to do is to get up on stage. Because that's still hard? No, but try to do as many shows as possible. just time, time no, but it's, wise, yeah, it's more. It, it's easier to not go on stage because there's you also you know yeah. you always have excuses yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you no, know, not like today. Uh, yeah. you know, I have children. Drop the excuse, please. <laughs> Thank you to your wife right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> she's good. Does she come no, see you sometimes? Yes, yes, she comes to see me. It's actually important to have a supportive spouse. Yeah. Because if she wasn't, then, I mean, I'd be divorced right now. Cause it, or I would have had to make a choice. Yeah. Her or comedy, because it's... Uh, time consuming. It's very time consuming. You're away a lot. Right. Um, yeah. Does she laugh at your jokes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a lot of jokes about her as well. <laughs> yeah, I heard one in French. Uh, I can't remember that she's from that you got her from Ukraine and <laughs> <laughs> Ukrainianwives dot com. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she 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 thinks it's funny. Okay. So. Support. I didn't meet her. We were, we were we were colleagues. That's how we met each other. I didn't buy her on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's a stereotype and now like it's also because I think the joke works because so first now with being 40 I look older and also like I put on weight and like and people think yeah he could have bought his wife on the internet (laughs) (laughs) so that's why that's that's why it works (laughs) and where where was it in Zurich yeah yeah so she works here as well Uh, so we're we're in my office as well oh at my office we're in the office of my employer (laughs) (laughs) we're using it it was even hard to get in but we I even wanted to say we're doing a podcast but you were like no 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 no, no, no. don't say anything (laughs) it's better yeah so inspiration creativity the growth mindset that says that you can basically you can do anything you you want or yeah I mean that doesn't mean that it's easy or Mm -hmm. that but you have to put the work and, into and it. you you also need a focus right so mm-hmm. if i've been really focused on the stand up mm-hmm. and and that's how like i've become better at it mm-hmm. uh, in the past 3 years because i was but um so you definitely need focus but i think the growth mindset has also helped me to think okay okay for my current job i've had to like switch 
40 schools online, you know, so everything that we're doing, um, you know, teaching languages to, mm -hmm. to people, we had to switch to online. Mm. And I thought, okay, if I can switch 40 language schools online, I can switch a comedy show mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. But I, I knew that I had no idea how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm putting a date. It's going to be in 20, like, it's not even, it was between, uh, like, I don't know, 18 days, whatever. And we have to do this, this, this comedy show. Mm -hmm. And the growth mindset has also helped me to be like, okay, it's probably not going to be great. You know, but just just go for it. Like, try to put together a concept mm -hmm. to it, um, and see what happens. And then you know, so and then from every episode we learn. And and uh, I mean, and I've left. So we we're doing this live. You know, it's a live broadcast, and and for many weeks, you know, like we would go off air, and I I would just have this cringing feeling about like what we just did, and it, it was terrible. And, and in a way, that pain is difficult because yeah. you, you've gotten good at stand-up. You don't want to go back to the, to the bombing that mm. you were doing three years mm. before. And, uh, and so, but I was like, okay, well, growth mindset, yeah. right? So yeah. it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good, but let's see what we can learn. How can we make it better? Um, and then you know, and it's becoming more and more pleasurable. Like mm -hmm. the last, the last one, we switch, we stop streaming, and I was like, "Wow, this was cool! Mm -hmm. Like this was a really cool show." Mm -hmm. And uh, and and it still has a lot to improve, you know. But because uh, if when you're in a fixed mindset, you you're always that's what people with fixed mindset they tend to be a bit aggressive as well because. For them, it's it's terrible if if they are proven that they're they are not. It's either they're really good at something or they're not. Mm -hmm. So they're also trying to to prove everybody else that they are that they are very good. You know, because mm -hmm. they cannot uh, if they are under the line of whatever that they've set for themselves. Mm -hmm. Then it means their own reality. It means well, I guess you know I'm not good at that. So mm -hmm. they're they're very defensive, very. Uh, and it's it's not a. Uh, I really recommend actually to to, to read this book that I, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, <laughs> I forgot the title. <laughs> I can add it uh, in the text. It's uh, I have it somewhere. I have it on my computer. I think I have it in our conversation anyway. But. Uh, and you said something interesting. Um, Did you find it? No. Uh, when, and if you don't want me to share, I can cut it. But sure. you said, uh, yeah, right. Because I asked you what's the difference between doing it live and uh, behind your screen. And yeah. you said, well, yeah, of course, it's not the same. But this gross mind mindset thing. And right now, there are a lot of people trying out things online. And so they're forgiving if it's not perfect. Yeah, so it's really, I mean, right now is the best time to put out mm. shitty content. <laughs> Because yeah. we all get it, mm. you know? So, I mean, actually, you know, 
if I wanted to say, okay, now this is my goal. I want to get into live broadcast, you know, weekly live broadcast, put on a show. Mm -hmm. uh, then it's fine. I could have also done it outside of this pandemic <laughs> situation. Yeah. Uh, but at least right now, I feel people are... You get a bit more forgiveness from the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if you're listening to this in the future and it's not a pandemic, mm -hmm. I, I also believe you should still, you know, go ahead if you yeah. want to do it and That's improve. Right. Uh, but I would say that now is even is even a better time mm -hmm. because uh, every comic has gone online doing Zoom mm -hmm. shows or mm -hmm. talk shows or. And it's tough. It's mm -hmm. really tough. People mm -hmm. are used to interacting with people, getting feedback, mm -hmm. um, you know, making people laugh in front mm -hmm. in front of you, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of everybody's trying to figure it out. But it, it is possible because you know there are people who are funny in front of the camera, even without an audience. That's true. Yeah. You know, like, like all the, the, the this young generation who started on YouTube, no. So, yes, so there are a lot of YouTubers who know how to be funny. Um, but even before, you know, like be, be in traditional TV, mm. somebody like Ricky Gervais who did uh, a show like The Office, there was, no, there was no audience, you know. It was not like a sitcom mm. in the sense that there was kind of like the jokes were tested in front of an audience. It mm. was, it was uh, just them mm -hmm. just really believing in their... Mm -hmm. in their comedy mm -hmm. so that's kind of you know yeah it's it's kind of it's an interesting period that pushes me to pushes me to to really get behind my own comedy <laughs> like upgrade or what do you what do you mean So Step up before, or? yeah, I mean, in the in 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 the traditional process that we go through, it's like okay, so I would test joke in a one, two open mic, three open mics, yeah. and and usually I'd be sitting, you know, at a desk not close to here, and it's 4 p.m. and I'm like, oh, I have a I have a mic in 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 three hours, you know. So then I looked at like everything that I have written in my oh, morning wow. session, and I, and I put something together, and it's wow. kind of like half halfway done yeah and then the joke improves with the you know with the audience yeah. but this time i have to work on the joke so prepare more yeah prepare more and also but believe in it more because mm. i get one chance mm. <laughs> and you yeah. know my belief in the joke before came mostly from the audience i mean yeah. there must be some beliefs in the first place if i yeah. say it in front of somebody yeah But then a lot had to to come from, you know, a lot a lot of the belief came from the interaction. Whereas now it just comes from. Well, I mean, it's not just me actually, because we we do the jokes to each other. Okay. We're like you know we're like four people working on this, and okay. we read. So there's there's still some bouncing yeah. off of ideas, yeah. but it's not the same. And how do you decide to make it a joke when you see something and you find something funny? How does how does this work? So what I do is so I I do two things right. So every morning I do I do my you know x number of words. Yeah. But I also every time I have an idea, I just put it in. A, so some people have notebooks. I just send myself an email. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So, and then, so, you know, so, and then, but I, I usually I have this idea, but I'm in the middle of a meeting or mm. something, so I can't do anything yeah. with it. Yeah. So then what I do is that in my morning sessions, I would go through my ideas that I sent to myself and see like, are there some that still inspire me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's how, that's how I do it. It's, it's not very scientific. Mm. <laughs> so, so you just write a couple of words. Yeah, I just wrote a line. Mm. Yeah. And you can get go into the situation again. Yeah, and if I'm not, then you know it tells me that maybe mm. it wasn't that funny. Mm. You know, I thought on the moment it's funny, mm-hmm. but if if uh one day later I just I get no emotion out of it, then then fine, you know, mm-hmm. like then maybe it's just it's just not worth putting sure. it in front of audience and you know. Do you laugh when you write? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> when I when I put, I mean, it's me laughing is kind of yeah, it's kind of like one of the, I would say criteria for a joke to go on on stage, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, what's the what's the mm-hmm. point? Oh, but I was, for me too. But I was listening to a podcast. It's uh, un café au Lucette uh, from okay. um, Louis Dubourg, French okay. comedian, yeah. and he interviewed many uh, French comedians. Uh, okay, famous, oh, that's interesting. Marina Rollman also a couple okay. of Swiss uh, Thomas Wiesel. And, yeah, and I was listening to that. It was really n- a nice podcast, and he was asking that, I think, to Marina Rollman and. And she hesitated, and they both hesitated, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I laugh." <laughs> you know? But maybe then there are people who kind of um, think of a joke as a market research. You know, like what would uh, make what would people laugh or to this yeah. or you know. But but I feel I do everything that. It comes from myself, you know. It's good. Yeah. I don't care, and that's why I'm not making money yet with the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yeah. I well, I guess you know what. Okay, I don't always laugh all the time, but I I am excited about saying that to other people. Like there's there's. I I try to really only say things on stage that got me emotionally excited somehow. Uh, when I wrote it mm-hmm. or when I think about doing it on the stage mm-hmm. um, yeah that's kind of the criteria and you share mostly private uh, life things or you you share yeah mostly private stuff no political no <laughs> <laughs> point of view no you know what I, I'm very interested in politics but I don't feel strongly about anything yeah. usually political yeah. comedians they, they tend to to really defend a point of view mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and usually it's left wing like I've mm-hmm. tried to watch some right wing comedians but it's just I don't know just uh, weird yeah it's kind of weird because also comedy what, what we're saying earlier is that you know it's it's what you it's what is allowed to make fun of the powerful mm. but usually you know in politics the right-wing point of view is more the point of view of the powerful. Um, and so I just find that it doesn't really work What's with comedy. Point? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they exist. Mm. Who, who is doing this? 
a famous I don't, you know what famous no nobody famous mm. but you know <laughs> no. the display like Fox News or mm. play, like even RT they have they have conservative comedians okay good to know <laughs> we won't watch that no um, I had um, I had something totally different in mind uh, first time I do this because I had the dream this week and there you go let's do it I I, I thought as I woke up, I thought I have to remember that. Okay. And in my dream, I don't know if we were doing this podcast or if we were, uh, what I was, or comedy, or I don't know what, I don't know what I was doing. But uh, so a word came into mind, and it's Swiss as fuck. Swiss <laughs> AF. Yeah, that's and, pretty good. <laughs> and I wondered if you had a couple things to say about that, like examples of your own life, because um, I know you. For example, you said that joke about uh, if you want to have fun or something exciting happening on Sunday morning in your life, just start the washing machine and yeah, all the yeah. neighbors will be in your living room. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, I mean, Swiss has... Uh, so that's one. I, I think for me, the I have a joke also, but maybe I don't know if you heard that one, where I picked up my kids from the daycare. No. And uh, and I asked them. And they go to the normal. Yeah, so they went to the Swiss German daycare. I mean, now they go to school, but before mm -hmm. they, you know, we put them in the daycare a few days a week, for them to learn Swiss German mm -hmm. and stuff. And um, and you know, and you have to, so you pick them up and you have to listen to, like for them it's really important. Ah, that they, they, see they their tell day. you yeah. what what happened for them. Yeah. <laughs> but then the only thing that they just tell the, the most boring thing in the world, you know, so it's like, so, you know, Alexi uh, was very good. Uh, he ate his he peas, ate the but green not beans, the... <laughs> and then he had the, the rice. <laughs> and then so in my joke, I say, but OK, but, but and for me as a parent, it's more like I want to know how they're developing, you know, like oh, yeah. are they socially mm good Did like they how hit they... anybody yeah or... exactly yeah. so so in my joke i say okay but tell me about the other like how is he interacting with the other children and she says well the other children they also had the green beans <laughs> <laughs> and for me this is swiss as fuck <laughs> because is... and like and, and even for my swiss friends like they say this is so swiss because it's it's but i mean it's so, it's so stereotypically swiss you know like like the, the 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 total lack of creativity and being asked a question that doesn't you know that doesn't uh, follow, their, follow yeah. the, the process and being confused <laughs> and like what is he asking the other children yeah and it, but it just says it just says it so much in like in one line and this yeah. this this joke is what is uh, one of my killer jokes yeah. um, and it works in every language that I've yeah. tried it yeah. And so that's that's pretty Swiss as fuck. That's pretty Swiss. Yeah. And your your kids speak Swiss German? Yeah, yeah. They are. I mean, they they Swiss German, French, and Russian. And they have an accent when they speak French to you. Or no. You don't notice? No, they don't really have an accent, but they are. Uh, I, I mean, poor kids. It's uh, for them. It's very confusing to have all these languages, mm -hmm. right? So they. They always mix. Hmm. Uh, they mix uh, 
for example, the order of words, mm. you know, like sometimes they speak French to me, I'm like, yeah, you're thinking in German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they put the verb at the end or stuff like that. Or, you know, where, how they put the adjectives. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like, it, 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 they have an interesting way to, like, if we would go to France, yeah, the kids would say they talk funny. Yeah. Because they have a, but it's not, so, yeah, so it's not so much the accent or, you know, they say stuff like, for many years to say something like something is difficult my son instead of saying c'est difficile would say c'est lourd <laughs> because in German schwer mm. can be you know so uh, it's, it's, so they make this 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 weird mistakes but they I mean they'll be alright it just yeah. takes it takes a bit longer yeah. uh, but definitely harder for them to in, integrate with all the kids for quite some time. Mm. Now, now they're okay, but you know, because they are the kids, they they speak Swiss German with their parents all the time. I mean, and it's uh, so they've definitely uh, felt behind. Even the the small one who's gonna be five, but even you know the seven year old, he, he still doesn't understand everything that people are telling him. Mm -hmm. Like it's 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 a long process. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think they're gonna be alright. I hope. <laughs> and now they go to normal school, uh, Swiss. Yeah, yeah Swiss school. school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's in, for me. It's interesting um, to know. Yeah, I kind of felt that we were here for the long run, mm. and then I thought, okay. It's, when I moved to Zurich, I found, I found like a really, a a home in a way. So I, w I was traveling a lot for work. Mm -hmm. I was actually even traveling more than now. So I was traveling maybe 75% of my time. And so I would I would spend my weekend in Zurich and this was my, you know, this is where I would rest and I would kind of relax and it was my home. And, and uh, I mean, it was nice. So I, I have this relationship with Zurich that like I, re I feel really good here. And, and then when we had kids, I, I, th I could see myself staying here. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, so for them, it's very important mm -hmm. that they they are, you know, because I, I see, I mean, the kids in the international schools, it's not the same. Like, uh, they, they, I mean, some of them don't speak German even. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and it's their own world. Yeah, you know? exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, their, it's their own world. Mm. So, yeah, so we put them in public schools. Mm. A lot of people do that actually. I was I'm with a lot of expats, parents in Basel, and they yeah. do that. And uh, yeah, you like us, you know, we don't speak Swiss German. I I can a little bit because I grew up across the border. But uh huh, you grew up in uh, in Saint Louis or Inang. Inang, okay. Yeah, and my grandparents speak uh, as as yeah. <laughs> and it's like Swiss German. Yeah, almost, yeah, it's the know? same. Yeah, almost. So, yeah. I understand everything yeah. and I can speak certain sentences but I could not have a whole conversation in Swiss German and that sometimes creates a little gap you yeah. know, especially at work uh, maybe here it's more international I don't know at your work oh my work it's in English mm. at mine it's getting there but still it's very traditional and yeah right Swiss as fuck Swiss as fuck <laughs> and what cool. was the thing that um, shocked you the most in Switzerland the difference anything um, 
I have this joke about garbage, for example, the blue. I don't know which color it is here, but this thing you have to ask for at the supermarket that you cannot just find on yeah. the shelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the tax system. Yeah. That was like, what? <laughs> that didn't shock me because I walked into Switzerland with the fear of the rules. And yeah. so, like, I kind of knew, like, so nothing surprised me. Okay. Um... Uh, in a way, maybe I found some peace in that. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Did <laughs> so. you come from Paris? Yeah, yeah, yeah I come from Paris. Um, no, I have to actually, you know, I mean, the the jokes and the stereotypes about the Swiss is, you know, it's it's uh, it's all about the rules and lack of, you know, creativity. But you know, when when you actually get interested into Swiss culture or the actual facts and everything. So, you know, so for example, we say, yeah, they're very closed and, you know, yeah, but I mean, maybe, but the percentage of immigrants in this country mm. is a lot higher mm. than many other countries. Mm -hmm. Like, and this society that has a reputation for being closed is, is actually, when you look at the facts, is mm. very open. And they assimilate a lot of people, you know, like they, there's more, the percentage of immigrants here is higher than, than its neighboring countries. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's a way to deal with the coronavirus. Pretty okay. Also. Yeah. I thought it was, I, <laughs> I mean, I was honestly, when I was, uh, seeing my friends in, in France who cannot go out only one hour a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God we were mm -hmm. here. And able to go, uh, you know, to the forest with the mm. kids. And mm. I mean, it changed completely everything. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... I got I got interested in... So, so in October, I'm going to start the process to, to be naturalized Swiss. So last year, I started to learn about the history and everything. Okay. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I wish I had done this when I arrived. Because when you come from yeah. France... And especially from Paris, you know, because yeah. at least when you're not in in Paris, you know that this dream that Paris controls everything. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I mean, in a way, it's 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 France is very centralized, and and we still have. I mean, the president figure is almost still like a king figure mm -hmm. in a way, mm -hmm. you know. So it's centralized around a king figure in Paris. And expecting a lot of, you know, and making decisions for everybody. And if you're in the opposition, you know, then you have to suck it up for five years because mm -hmm. it's not. Whereas here is very different. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, th there's not so much this, you know, this idea of, uh, of a nation. You know, they don't really buy in it uh, so much. I mean, yes, they they have some Swiss pride, but it's, it's still very regional. I mean, even like the different dialects of Swiss German, everybody's still very attached to, you know, like what we speak in my valley is a different language mm -hmm. than your valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so very decentralized. And, and also, I mean, uh, so here's it. So I, so all these members of government that we saw in the press conferences, uh, for the updates on the coronavirus, like for me, I was really proud before because I was like, so I had to to learn them, you know. So like in December they were elected, and I was like, okay, so when I'm going to do my process, they're going to be in power, so I need to. Mm -hmm. I, so I learned all the names and everything, mm -hmm. 
But now it feels like it's not because so, everybody knows them almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I feel less special. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, if you look at... So you look at the government of the Confederation, they are from... Uh, they're from four different parties, mm. you know, which is, like, inconceivable in France. In France, you have yeah. the party in power and they decide everything. Whereas the, you know, so, so it's four different parties that have to like talk and negotiate with each other. And it's, it's very not French. Mm. And that I find really interesting, mm. you know. So, so, for, so, so this is kind of what surprised me. It's, not, it's, it's a more flexible and open society than people want to believe just mm. from the attitude or everybody has the anecdote of like, you know, the neighbors that yells at you for not following the rules and everything. But if you, if you look a bit deeper into mm -hmm. the actual facts, and that's what surprised me. It's more, it's more open and flexible than, mm -hmm. than people think because they had to. Mm -hmm. it, it is, but the neighbor yelling at you, it's still true. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's still yeah, yeah. happening. Yeah. Or the fine for everything, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I also feel when I'm here, I'm like, okay. I have to, you know, cycle here and not there because somebody will tell you, you yeah, know, yeah, don't do yeah, this, yeah, yeah. old person. Yeah. And yeah, I, there's both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 absolutely. And that's still annoying. <laughs> <laughs> still for a French, like, you know, Yeah, for, for a French, exactly. We don't like the rules. No. And nobody, you never say Hey, don't do that because yeah, you exactly. can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't care. Yeah, you would but see as a, you would be seen as a collabo or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also why they maybe they made it so strict in France then during the coronavirus period because they knew the French. If you look at the yeah, yeah. this uh, also Spain and Italy. I don't know how it happened in Italy, but in Spain and Greece also was really strict. I have a friend living in Greece and she said, yeah, they had to do this, find you, find you 150 euro if you, I don't know, yeah. don't have the paper or whatever, because the Greek don't believe in the government. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and she has, as a Swiss there, she was like, oh, I'm still going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was interesting, I think. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Because here, they, I didn't see my Swiss friends, you know? They yeah. were like, no, see you one one day again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I was like, okay, let's meet, coffee, cafes are reopening. They were like, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll stay outside. It's okay. Yeah, people, I mean, uh, German, Swiss, you know, Swedes, like the more... You go to the, mm. there's more a culture of discipline mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know France Italy Spain we like That's to be him. undisciplined mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's interesting I'm very happy to live here <laughs> I like it here yeah. now that's what I mean so yeah well, I just want like behind the, the Swiss neighbor yelling at you there's, there's more you know I think there's a deeper truth yeah. of yes there's all of this and also you know I've lived in many different countries and, and no country is perfect like you will not find yeah. including and it's going to be hard for us to hear that but including France uh, for, for, for me it's not hard actually <laughs> I'm French only for the food I think <laughs> the food and the complaint no complaints I'm working on myself so not so much but uh, for the swearing swearing and food yeah. then I'm French 
because re- I also lived in other countries, then I, I picked the best for, of everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where can we find you online? So you can find me in many different places. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> ask the question again. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you can find online me online. Or, yeah, I guess now online. Yeah, uh, Ben Comedian. That's my handle on most platforms, mm-hmm. on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mm-hmm. You have a website? Yes. No, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, YouTube, the where the shows are. So yeah, and then um, and then on this, so you can you can go to. Okay, I'm a terrible sell, selling myself. Self promoter. Okay, so let me try. So. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Ben Comedian. And you can also find me, uh, you can find the online show uh, on Instagram and also Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's online. That comedy show. Online.comedyshow. And it happens every... Every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. We're going to have to change it when we do live shows again because Thursdays is usually my date for my live my show at Comedy House mm-hmm. uh, it's not every Thursday but it's it's always on a Thursday so uh-huh. we'll, we'll need to do you know when it's going to start again? we will have some announcements on the 27th and then we're hoping in June mm-hmm. but let's see wow. cool <laughs> cool well uh, thank you for having me Ophelia thank you for welcoming me into your <laughs> To my deserted office. Second job. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. In real life. Yes. Let's share the stage in Basel again. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening.